Well, Dale, we are finally here. 19 videos in this series, if you can think about it, the Let It Go series. If you go all the way back to last summer and you're walking it through, you had the original series, The King's Seat, and now Good Grief. And can you believe we're on the final tape? Good grief. Good grief. (laughs) We are. It's hard to believe. Uh, uh, Piece by piece, uh, part by part, and uh, step by step, all those things. It's always good to be reminded that uh, most everything in life is a process. You don't get it all at once. Uh, (laughs) That's the jackpot mentality that that's so rampant in, in the United States. Oh, man, I'm going to win this money and my life will be changed. Well, you're probably right. It will be changed. But more times than not, in a, not in a positive way. It is amazing if you study the jackpot winners, how many of them are totally bankrupt within mm-hmm. a year. The, the numbers are staggering on that. If you don't handle money well before so that you need the jackpot, you're probably not going to handle it well when suddenly life hands you this incredible blessing. You're going to get uh, all kinds of people that you didn't even know. Suddenly are your dearest friends and your, your brother and sister, mom and dad that would never speak to you or vice versa. Suddenly they're right there. They're we're way to go. We're with you. And uh, the reality is it's, it's uh, more than most people are able to handle. We're with you. We're ready to help you spend your money. <laughs> so I've got an idea. The whole lottery concept's a great segue into where we're going today, and I've titled it Making It Real. In the last segment, we talked about receiving and didn't title it that, but you talk about moving from transition into a place where you're starting to drink in the goodness of God, and it, you've got that waiting period, and then you've got the, the venting of emotions and all of the different things that we talked about that help you transition out of pain into a different lifestyle. But it's generally not a smooth transition. In fact, it's up, down, sideways, backwards, forwards, every direction you can imagine. You've got to take what you're receiving from God and establish it in life in a way that's solid. Otherwise, you're going to bounce back and forth. And you mentioned this last time about taking it back. And so the two words that I use in other books, I talk about getting to a point of ruling, and then to a point of resting. I've got the receiving phase where I'm drinking in the grace of God, and I'm able to start focusing more and more on the goodness of God and the grace of God than I did the pain, and all of a sudden I'm I'm getting better and I have flashes of good times, but God doesn't want it to be flashes of good times. He wants us to live in a different place. He wants us to be different. He wants us to make it real within our lives in an everyday, all the time sort of a way. So I hear ruling and resting. So ruling, uh, that can be of my own conception of what I have power to rule over. We like to have lots of power, particularly when it applies to us. And and at the same time, 
there's the the realization reality sits in that I don't have a say in that. It's not for me to say. Uh, so that that goes for ruling. And the resting, I think we take resting for granted. We don't really give it credit for how it adds to our lives. And just sleep. We, You and I both have the... the <laughs> Uh, the sleep habit, the tendency, or lack of sleep habit, to awaken at, at two or so in the morning, and uh, I, we would both agree that it's a, it's a time God set aside just for us. <laughs> there's a there's a thought for you, but uh, to talk for us to be still. And and listen to the real ruler, talk about what he's got to say to us, and and then there's a reciprocal where we're able to to speak back and receive back. But the those the the ideas of ruling and resting uh, are are predominant uh, a predominant need in our lives, and yet we have such misconceptions about what it really means. All three of these R's. Let's start with the receiving, and let's go back to the forgiveness. Many people get to the point of, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. But then they don't do that receiving part where they begin to allow God to minister to them. And the same thing in this grief area. There are people who finally get to that place of surrender of, okay, God, I'll hand it off to you but they never get the genuine, intimate connection where they're drinking in life. If I'm just trying to get over my grief with my own right hand and my own strength, I'll, I'll never get there. So there's got to be that time frame, and we talked through that in the last session, about moving through this place where I'm receiving from God in a way that helps me overcome the grief and the stuff that's there. But then you hit this next step, and this is where we're at. I've, I've done the receiving. I've, I've drank in some life. There's this thing called a tormentor, uh, a devil, a uh, whatever you want to call it. But the devil is a bully. He is going to come to try to steal your peace. He's going to try to steal anything that, that you received from God, and you did legitimately receive it, but the devil wants you to go back on that, and God wants you to live in it. So you've got this war that's going on, and it's not finished just because you made a decision, just because you've drank in life from God. That war isn't over. In fact, in many cases, it's going to heat up, and it's going to get more intense at this point. That process of, of receiving, I, I, when you were talking, your hands were open. And I, I, watch, I watch my hands. I watch people that are speaking, what they do with their hands. Open is open. Uh, when, this is how I approach God, is with hands open. This is how I praise Him, with hands raised high. Uh, and this is how I ignore. And, and, and that's, those are physical things that can be a key to uh, a cue to us how we're really approaching, even we're not aware of it, 
But if, if you just get in a habit of looking at hands, you get an idea where the person, whether it's you or someone else, is coming from. And, and so often we, we talk about how we love God and how we trust him, and we, and we got our fists closed. And, and that's an indication that I may have to take time enough to reconsider. Well, the fists are closed. I'm hanging on. The whole theme of this Let It Go series, series number one, forgiveness. Let it go. I've got to open those fists yeah. up. Series number two, King Seat. I've got to let go of the judgments. I've got to let go of the revenge. I've got to deal with the King Seat types of issues. Series number three, good grief. I've got to come to an understanding that God is sovereign and he's greater than my pain. And so I've got to let go of my pain. If I don't do the let it go, then I can't do the drinking in. I can't do the receiving. But I really want to hit something different in this segment because even after you've done that, the battle isn't over. <laughs> it's just getting warmed up. Forgiveness is an easy one. As soon as you've forgiven at the altar and you've felt the presence of God and you're in a good place, you're going to someday stand and stare down that person who you forgave, and are you going to walk in that forgiveness, or are you going to re-enter the unforgiveness zone again? Same thing with the pain. I've handed the pain off to God, and all of a sudden, new things come up that remind me of the situation or the person. Am I going to go back into the depth of my pain and back into the despair? And that's where the ruling phase comes in here where it talks about we've got to be able to take a stand and we've got to be able to fight a fight. And let's get practical and just start here. One of the things that I find is that ends up involving your mouth. There are many things that, that we can do in communion with God that is silent prayer and we're just over here doing whatever it is we do. But on this one, whenever it comes to spiritual warfare, and the demonic realm is coming back in and, and trying to steal away what you have received, steal away what you have gained, it's very important for us to begin to make that commitment again to God. It's like, no, God, I handed this to you. This is yours. It doesn't start with the demonic realm, but it starts with a reaffirmation of, God, this is yours. I reaffirm that, first of all, this is what ruling looks like, not in the sense of me doing it, because I start what? With the reaffirmation of the fact that this is surrendered to you, God. This is yours. I'm standing on the blood of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, the fact that he died for me, that he loves me, that he's for me, all of that. So I'm starting with that surrender place. Then I'm going to turn and I'm going to speak out loud to myself, first of all, because I need to renew the covenant. That's big. That is big, and I, I'm speaking initially to myself, and we respond differently when we hear ourselves speak. So I'm literally speaking to myself. I'm setting up a direction for myself, but at the exact same time, and it doesn't hurt to divide that focus and speak and say, no, devil, I am not turning back. I have dedicated this to Christ. You cannot have, have me. I don't care how much you torment me. I don't care if you try to stir this up. This is surrender to God, and I will not turn back. I am standing here. And spiritual warfare, if you go to the classic passage, Ephesians chapter 6, it's standing more than any other thing. I don't have to get belligerent. I don't have to get ugly. I just, I stand 
in Christ and in what he's done and what he's given to me. And it is just leaning up against the wall standing. This is firm. You're standing firm. And you're bringing up the speaking it out loud to yourself. I think we underestimate that if you go around talking to yourself all the time out loud, people are going to think you're crazy. Okay, they think what they think. But the value of speaking something that you feel particularly directed by God to receive and embrace. There, there's the, now we've got full arms around it. It's important to say it out loud because I think it goes from a thought, and we can have all kinds of garbage going on up here, and it has nothing to do with here. But when you speak it out, you take it in. You're giving it out for your own uh, consumption. And when you receive that, it becomes a reality, unlike anything that you've known before. One of the hardest situations to deal with is long-term marriage. And I, we had a, a man who was working with us in the program who had lost a long-term 50-year-plus wife and was trying to walk through that process. If you sit at home, you stay in the exact same cycles, the exact running track, and you're just jogging around that track of grief over and over again, chances are you don't get better. So I set a course. I say, God, I'm not going to live there anymore. Now I'm potentially going to have to not just speak to it. I need to include other people. So now I set up a course between you and me. And instead of staying on this jogging track of grief, I'm going to come over here and start a new track so your words matter and then your actions matter. This is how you rule. This is how you exercise spiritual authority in a godly realm. Now I'm going to come over and create new relationships. I'm going to create new activities. I'm going to establish something in my life. This is what spiritual ruling looks like. I'm not talking about me dictating to you. I'm talking about, in essence, me dictating to me that I will walk in Christ. I will stay surrendered. I'm not going back to that place where I'm totally in bondage to grief and, and life is just miserable and there's no hope, there's no vision. One of the, one of the phrases you use is change of heart. And, and what, what you're talking about is a change of heart. You, you've been in this cycle. You've been in this way of thinking, in this way of ruling your life and it doesn't fit somehow. And, and so you've, you're having a change of heart. And having a change of heart, that's fine, but it needs to be vocalized. It needs to be put into action. Another example, a lady that works with her ministry lost a son. While he was in high school, you're not supposed to lose children. And the level of grief, and she talked about walking through the devastation that mm -hmm. was there. Well, eventually got into foster care, started working with our ministry. An avenue. What I talked about a few over the last few sessions is the word transition. If you take that grief and you drink in the grace of God, you really do allow God to pour in you and minister to you, you're no longer the same person. There is a new capacity in you. There's a new strength, a new ability to love in you. You're a better tool than you would have been if you hadn't walked through the grief. 
So now you get to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where I'm able, because I've received comfort from God, I'm able to give comfort to other people. I'm now appropriating the will of God in my life that I drink this in, and I start speaking, I start acting, I start moving. If I don't do this ruling phase, the chances of me falling back and getting back into that trap of grief and just laying there in my soup, and then there's nothing positive. There's, I look at this and go, there's absolutely nothing good that came out of this. How am I supposed to go on? Because my life experience declares that there's nothing good here, and your life experience does declare that. So how can you work against it? But if instead I come back here and I'm speaking, I'm making covenants with other people, commitments to other people, I'm beginning to get them involved, I'm now accountable to people, not just to God. I'm starting different activities, I'm making my feet go different places, I'm, I'm moving through all of this, now my life experience is going to change and it will demonstrate the goodness of God. So what I hear you saying is we need to deal with it, uh, and, and uh, uh, we, we do it in one or two ways, probably. Uh, one, we, we just shake our fist at God and how could you, and uh, we go into desperation, despair, uh, who, who knows. Or we can ask God to show us uh, how we can we can move forward. We we can uh, give the ruler uh, kingship, put him in that place. But but the part of that that is ours is we have to recognize where we're 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 hung up. And and turn it over to to God, or we'll ju we're just going to stew in it and probably go worse. Grief that never moves into a transition stage never moves into a purpose stage, and if I don't move into a purpose stage, my life continues to manifest all of this pain, all of this heaviness. When I actually start transitioning and I'm seeing what God is doing, I'm hearing from Him, and I'm putting these things into play. That's what I mean by ruling. I'm putting these things into play. I'm taking steps. I'm speaking words. I'm making actions. I'm creating a new future, and then I'm going to throw one more word in there, growth. When I'm transitioning, when I see a purpose, then I'm working towards growth, and that growth, out of that growth will come a new ability to minister. This lady that I mentioned, she has an unbelievable capacity for the Word of God, an unbelievable ca capacity to pour her heart and her life out into other people. And I don't know, I can't know this, none of us can, but I really have to wonder if she hadn't gone through that deep, deep grief experience and had to come face-to-face -face with God and walk through this kind of process in the way that we're talking about, would she have the same capacity to minister? And I think my answer is no, she would not. I would concur with your observation because I believe that when we uh, finally get to the end of ourselves in some form or another, 
it, it, it's not going to be universal. I don't believe that happens uh, only by miracle. But I do believe that in coming to the end of yourself in grief or in a loss and finally saying, God, I've got to give this to you because I can't handle that. That if we will make that kind of st step and then follow up in giving over things to God, it, it's going to be a, an amazing change to the good in our lives, even out of the pain. In fact, the most, the greatest gifts that I've ever received came out of the worst situations I've ever been in. And, and, and finally being able to, to say, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope, Lord, take, take this from me. And, and, and I have to keep saying that because I have a tendency to try to take it back. When, when something looks good for the first time, I, that's I, right away, thanks, I got it now. But that, that real true grief and loss uh, is, is a stepping stone when turned over to God. They've done it in Jesus' image, and, and we are blessed beyond belief. And I get to that point, and I say, enough is enough. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm standing here. I'm not moving. That's the ruling stage that we're talking about. I'm not talking about a lording or commanding or etc. I'm talking about self. I'm done. I'm finished. It's not give it away, take it back. I'm done. That's the ruling part of, of making it real in your life. In the next segment, we'll go into the resting part. We'll take a moment, look at where we've been, and then we'll continue. When you get into the idea of resting, you would think, oh, well, that should be easy. Actually, I don't know about you, Dale, but that's one of the hardest things I do is to rest, to Sabbath, to stay still, to not be active and get to that point. One of the most powerful statements of faith is when you can do nothing. You know that it's God's. You know that it's in his hand. You know that you've done everything you need to do. Stop. Well, I would uh, offer that you and I are very much alike in this, and the the resting is interrupted or uh, even set aside because of activity in our brains. Uh, they tend to run and run and run and run, and uh, all hours of the day and night, and to get rest. Uh, it's almost impossible sometimes, but you we take to, it from there. Need to do it. Yeah. It's interesting that last night I woke up 1.30, and I was just laying in the bed, and I, and I was quiet, and I was still. And it's kind of neat looking back because I know where I've been all through the years. Normally, once I'm awake, there's an anxiety there. There's something that needs to be done, Plenty something that needs about. to be thought about, et cetera. <laughs> And it was different. It's, it's almost like what I want to present today, and I'm, I'm not presenting it as if I've arrived. It was like, okay, this was a different experience than the normal David. But 
I woke up and it was like, there wasn't a particular anxiety. There wasn't a, well, I've got to think about this and I've got to think about that and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I'm not ready for this and I'm not ready for that. I mean, that's what my brain is normally like. I mean, so it's question, crazy. What did that make you think? Well, it felt actually uncomfortable. <laughs> it's, it was uncomfortable to be in rest and be going, God, I'm just kind of chilled here. Well, what do I do with this? Yeah, I might as well just go back to sleep. I mean, I, I mean if I, Did you go back to sleep? I, I didn't. Why? I, because I couldn't. I mean, it, I, I don't know, okay? Sure you do. Well, what's the answer since I do I, I believe that that is the presence of God. That's the Holy Spirit, and he's waiting for your attention. It was, and he brought me back to a question that he brought last summer, which is, do you believe in the anointing that I've put in you, which is the ultimate word for rest? When I believe in God and in God at work in me, then I can cease from my works. I love this language in Scripture. I can cease from my works and enter into God's work. And I was there, and because I've had that tendency to be hyperactive and think it through and do all of that, it almost felt uncomfortable. It was kind of like, oh, wow, what am I supposed to do? I just hang out, have time with God, and commune? And, and I'm giving that illustration just because we were there. We are so confident in self. If you go back to the cycles that we talked about in the last session, when I was talking about the, the five stages of grief and how literally every one of those, from the denial to the anger to the bargaining, I mean, those are so full of, okay, human effort. I'm I'm just going to pretend it doesn't exist, and if I just fight this through without it existing, maybe it'll go away, and okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get angry, and I'm going to do a power response, I'm going to do something to fix it. Oh, okay, no, I'll, I'll move into bargaining, you know, and then even the depression where I'm just, I've burned all of my energy in those stages, so now I'm in done. In all possibility. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, none of this is rest. Depression is not rest. Depression is the absence of energy to where you just stop for a little bit. That's not what I'm talking about rest here, where I'm just totally out of energy and I'm done. I'm talking about entering into rest to where I cease from my works because I believe in God's works. I believe in God's anointing. I believe God does have a purpose for me. He does have a place for me. He's growing me into a place where I can do new things, do different things, walk in a different place. Oh, wow. I can step back and pay attention to God and cooperate with God and feel good about it without my brain running 100 miles an hour. So my time, my time is 2 o'clock. 2 a.m. is the, the, the regular appointment I have. And, and uh, what you've described, I've gone through quite a bit of that. I tend to be a little lower key than you are. My, my thought was no, nothing... I wasn't saying anything. I wasn't receiving anything. So like you thought, why don't I go back to sleep? Uh, but sleep didn't come. And, and I finally came to the realization that, okay, you're quiet. That's good. Now, are you ready to listen to what I have to say? And, and there's a difference. You can lay there empty-headed and, 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 and not even long for sleep, just, just there. And that's not enough. It's, it's being 
ready to receive. It's being open to God sharing what he has to share with you. And, and once I started doing that, uh, and I don't do it every night, but probably three or four times a week, I wake up at two in the morning. And I've come to see that as my appointment with God. And, and <laughs> my, my first question is, what do you have for me? What, 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 do, I, what do I need to hear? And, and it's been, it's, it's my favorite time of the day now. Let's move it from our middle-of-the-night sleep patterns back to grief. What's interesting, you've got to be able sometimes, at least, to still live with the pain. So back to my night times, anxiety. I'm, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, etc. For me to move out of that zone, I had to come to a place of confidence in God to where my brain could slow down. Same thing here. I've done the ruling phase, but that's not all there is. There's, there's, a, there's a soaking in, there's a marinating during this resting phase that I might still have some pain. And you're like, well, that's not the way it's supposed to happen. You're back here, you receive from God. He touched you, there should be no pain left. You've done your ruling, you've told the devil to get lost, there should be no pain left. But faith isn't really established until you're able to rest in that place of, okay, God, it's not totally gone. I see the work that you're doing. There's still some stuff here, but I'm now able to, in essence, lay down beside it, look at it if need be, whatever needs to happen. I'm able to stay in this place of rest, not having to do anything about it, but able to be confident in God. When I step into that kind of place, it really is a jumpstart towards the final healing. So the word rest um, brings me to ask, what is rest? Who determines rest? Uh, how is it expressed? What I hear is from both of us, is what we're going to do about it. And, and, and uh, obviously, uh, we're getting that wrong because when you don't have anything in your head, you think, I should be at rest. And, and uh, same on my part. I'm, but what does rest really mean? Why, why do we have rest? Hebrews 4.10 Back to the verse, I sort of referred to it before, but I didn't give the reference. He who has ceased from his own works, we've got to stop our stuff. In order to enter into the rest of God, I've got to lose confidence in self. That's back to the theology, the first, first video of this series. I've got to lose confidence in self and establish faith in God. If there's still a tinge of pain there, which is likely, especially if you're talking a 50-year marriage and, and you lose a spouse, you're talking a child and you've, you've lost a child, there are kinds of things that are just deep and they gnaw at you and it's, it's, just not, it's just not going to go away. And yes, there are those miraculous touches where people are like, wow, it was gone. And if you get that, thank God for that. I mean, enjoy it. 
But in most cases, there is this need to enter into what the Bible calls rest, which is even though I'm in this earth, I'm in this body, I'm not experiencing the fullness of eternity. I'm not experiencing the fullness of what God has to offer. By faith, I step into it. And if you look back to Romans chapter 8, and he talks about the groaning and the travailing of the earth and all of the stuff that's going on, but we look forward. Rest requires faith. Where I'm looking for and saying, oh, this is the will of God. If I keep walking this out, I will experience greater and greater healing to where I will experience the fullness of this rest where the pain is gone. So in your defining it there, I, I heard take comfort. It isn't necessarily somewhere you want to be. Uh, it isn't whatever you're going through is what I'm speaking of here. It's not where you want to be. You, you, you don't really see the benefits yourself, uh, but you're given assurance in the Word of God that you can take comfort. I'm here. The majority of my adult life, God's asked me to do things I didn't want to do. It wasn't exactly fun. It wasn't exactly comfortable. So I've been in a kind of a grief, a kind of death to self a lot of my adult life. But here's what's so amazing. As I've walked that through, God turns that around. He works it to the good. He demonstrates to me that if I had followed my will, it would not have been near as good as when I followed his will. I stepped into the works of God. People a lot of times ask me, well, how did all of this Omega Project happen? How, uh, did you have this grand vision? I said, no, I kind of did what I didn't want to do and obeyed God. And somewhere in the process, it kind of became glorious. Grief is a lot like that. You're walking it through one step at a time. You enter into obedience. You enter into a place of rest because you know it's what God has called. I know that God wants me to hand off this situation with this death or, or with this pain or with this situation because if that becomes front and center and stays front and center in me, I can't walk in the fullness of God. I can't walk in the fullness of, grace of, of the grace of God, and I'm no good to anyone. But part of me getting there is just getting into that place of rest where I'm quiet before God, I'm waiting before God. The pain is still there or showing up or coming and going. Again, people think in the grieving process that it should just all be done. And this is why I'm talking about this rest. No, you've been through all these different stages and you're up and you're down and it's here and it's gone and it's back and it's up and it's all around. There's a point at which I don't believe it's fully gone until you learn to rest in it. And when you're resting in it, the goodness of God just kind of settles on you like a dew. And as it begins to settle on you, there's a point at which the authority of the rest, the authority of the goodness of God just begins to eclipse this other stuff that was so hard and so painful. And it kind of tends to fade its way out over a period of time. I'm smiling because I was watching your hands. And, and in your description, the fists were clenched and the, your teeth were... And, and, and then when you said, started talking about release, your hands went out. Uh, taking comfort. It seemed like a little dis, 
comfort in that expression. Uh, what we're taking comfort in not, is not anything of our making. It's that God is there, and He's faithful to stay there. And and when we recognize that, we have a pathway out of the grief into hope. Uh, it may it more likely won't happen instantaneously, but it it will happen. And His presence is the comfort. Uh, it isn't something that I manufacture. It's just knowing that God is there and he will not leave me. I believe much of the time we stay in grief because we're not being realistic. We don't understand some of the kind of details of the process that I've talked about in this segment, last one, etc. So we get this unrealistic expectation. What happens? Most of the time, a person who's in grief gets tired of talking about it. They, they don't want to go there anymore. They don't want to talk about the stuff, and so what do they do? They present a cheery face, and so I see this other person's cheery face, and then I start going, well, how come I can't do cheery face? How come I can't just walk out of this? That's part of why I'm trying to do a realism thing here of this is what rest looks like. During that rest phase, I've ceased from my works. I've ceased trying to fight it. I'm, I'm done. I'm not having to speak to it in the ruling stage in the spiritual warfare stage anymore. I've made my peace, so to speak, and I'm in this place of just resting in God. During that phase, it decreases, my peace in God increases, and all of a sudden I wake up one day and realize I'm not in the same place that I was. So resting requires receiving. You have to before you can rest, I think you have to have some receiving, mm -hmm. yes. But resting ultimately is a choice. Mm -hmm. It's a choice to enter into a Sabbath. It's a choice to enter into faith. It's a choice to enter into trust of God, into trust of the sovereignty of God, and that He knows what He's doing. So I wake up today resting in Christ, even if, and this is huge, even if some of the grief is still there, even if some of the pain is there, I'm growing the resting piece step by step. As I'm doing that, there will be a day when you wake up and realize, oh, wow, that's just kind of faded away. I, you know what? It's, it's really almost totally gone. And in a way, you don't want it totally, totally gone, because if it was that big of a grief, again, back to a spouse, losing, losing a spouse, I still want to remember. I still want it to be a part of my heart. In a way, I don't want it totally, totally gone. So I still want some of that there, but I want it healed. It's my observation that God has this miraculous thing that he does in lives of turning our worst into our best. I, I've expressed it in spiritual gifts. Uh, you see somebody that's really forceful, and in a negative sense, and and it, it, their life is out of control. It's not if it's under control, it's limited control. But when that person, if that person comes to a knowledge and a presence of Jesus Christ, that same strength that was a weakness becomes a strength that's a real strength to the honor and glory of God. That's what I hear you saying in, in this 
process of of releasing uh giving over the the kingship back to that language of my feelings and how I'm hurt to to uh, the expression of I know God is with me, and that is a gift that it will overcome as and, and all I have to do is stay there with him. The greatest pain in grief is anything, anything, anything that is not fully surrendered to God. When I get to this rest stage, even if there's pain there, and sometimes I would suggest that you can't fully enter into rest in a meaningful way unless there's pain there. When I get to this rest stage and I'm able to rest despite the fact that there's some pain there, I'm really consecrating that surrender. I'm saying, this is absolutely real. David said, I'm not going to give a sacrifice that costs me nothing. Think of your pain in terms of that. I'm ready to enter into the rest of God, even though it's still costing me something. And I believe that as I offer this sacrifice up, there's going to be an added receiving. It's, it's not linear. It's not receive and then rule and then rest. They're all done interactive, forward, backwards, upside down, sideways. But the point that I'm really trying to bring home is this is all real stuff. We see that one guy who gets a prayer and gets healed and is wonderful thereafter, and then we feel like, well, I'm inferior somehow. I haven't done it right. And that's why I'm describing this process in the detail that I am. No, you're not doing it wrong. <laughs> this is what it looks like. This is what the letting go process looks like. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this. Let's go back to the key verse for this series, the Good Grief series, which is, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted as we surrender everything to God, every pain, every hope, every single thing, as we surrender everything to God. That's what the mourning process looks like when it's being done right. I'm walking through that surrender process, I get to a place of resting in God. I'm drinking in the presence, peace of God. I hope these concepts have been helpful, that you'll be able to step up in a new way, and as you drink in the life of God, you will be able to bless the people around you. Thank you for joining us in Effective Heart Change. We look forward to seeing you in a future series.